Amen. Thank you, ladies. First Peter chapter number one. If you join me in the Bible, your copy of the Scriptures, First Peter chapter number one. We'll look at verses seven and eight. If you need a Bible, there is what we call a pew Bible there in front of you, and uh, that would be located on page seven twenty one. It's actually on two pages, seven twenty one and seven twenty two. And uh, so, if you could join us there, that would be great. I'd love for you to follow along as we talk about the topic of your joy. Your joy this morning is it unspeakable or is it unengaged? Is it unspeakable or is it unengaged? First Peter chapter number one, verses seven and eight. I'd love for you to see this passage, and we'll look at several scriptures today. So I hope you'll uh, keep your fingers ready. Um, those of us who are old enough to remember AT and T, let your fingers do the walking, okay? And uh, uh, we'll do that in scriptures, okay? And we'll follow and look along at God's word and see what He has to say for us. First Peter chapter number one, look at verse seven. That the trial of your faith, the testing, the tribulations, the things that come up in life, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Verse 8, Whom having not seen, ye love. In whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. What a statement. Ye rejoice with joy unspeakable. Literally joy that is so moving, so deeply impacting that you hardly have the words to express it. Now let's start right off with a little confrontation this morning. Does that describe you this past week? Did you have joy unspeakable? So deeply impacting you, so ingrained, so uh, moving that you could hardly put it to words. Was that your life? Does that describe your heart and life even today? Does it aptly uh, describe how you have been living? I fear that though the believer, as this verse states, is capable and able to experience and employ such joy that the world knows nothing about we seldom do so. Our lives are not marked by that joy. Truth be told, I, I would put before you that our joy is often disabled by difficult circumstances, by feelings, by emotions, by wrong thinking, by influences of the world, by our selfish flesh. Now, I want you to notice that I did not say our joy is stolen or that our joy is not present, that we don't have it. The fact is this, the more that I study the Scriptures and spend time with the Lord, the more that I have come to understand this as a believer. We constantly have joy at our fingertips, ready to be taken up and engaged and enjoyed. But that is often where we fail. Don't miss it this morning. It is not that joy cannot be had for a believer. It is not that joy is not readily available. It is not that joy has not been gained. The fact is, the opposite is true. We have joy abundantly in our lives through our identification with Jesus Christ. As believers, as redeemed people who have a beautiful future, who have a redeemed past, and have a powerful present. The joy is there just for you and I to employ it and to engage it. Think of it with me. Many of you, maybe this morning, this morning wasn't nearly as cold as some other days, but maybe this morning somebody in your family went out and started the car to warm it up for you. They got in and certainly they turned it over in the engine, we hope and pray, and it started, amen. 
And it did so, and boy, they got the motor up and running and heated up, warmed up, as we might say, and, and uh, it's just sitting there in park. It's doing fantastic, and the engine's purring like a, a kitten. It's, it's ready to go. The family hops out and, and uh, gets in the car, and, and you're, you said, this is fantastic. This car, the engine's running. You may have four cylinders, six cylinders, eight cylinders, or whatever you have, however many cylinders you have, and uh, the car's ready to go. The engine's, and, and you know, this is fantastic. Well, let's go to church, and nothing happens. And one of the kids in the back said, Dad, aren't you going to put it into drive? Oh, yeah, that would help, wouldn't it? You have to engage the engine, don't you? See, it doesn't matter if you have a four-cylinder, six-cylinder, eight-cylinder vehicle. Unless you engage that engine, you ain't going anywhere. And may I submit to you this morning the reality is of the joy in your life. If you're a child of God, if you're a believer, we'll see it this morning, you have abundant joy at the end of your fingertips. The question is this, are you engaging it? Are you engaging it? Are you taking the available, the clearly abundant joy you and I have as believers, and are you engaging it in your life? You see, it's an unspeakable joy. It's a joy full of glory, abounding more and more each and every day. But so often we fail to engage it, literally to shift it into drive in our lives and therefore enjoy the joy that is at our fingertips. So it begs the question, how do I engage that, Pastor Henry? Where does that joy found in my life? And then therefore, the secondary and important question, how do I engage it? How do I, how do, I do this? Well, turn with me, if you will, to Isaiah chapter 61, will you? Isaiah chapter 61, that's on page uh, 445, if you have a pew Bible. But we'll turn to Isaiah 61, and we're going to look at verse number 10. Isaiah 61 and verse number 10, if you'll look there with me. First, we want to see this. Where is, where is joy found? Well, joy is found in the right person. Joy is found in the right person. And certainly 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8 has helped to point us in the right direction. But notice what Isaiah says in Isaiah 61 verse number 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. And he gives several reasons. For he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. This is where joy obviously starts. You can't talk about joy for the Christian life without realizing that God is the author and he is the source of all joy. It is but that you and I must look to him. It's that you and I must treat him as our constant companion, our diligent focus, our, our first thought in the morning allows joy to, to be engaged in our lives. May I simply state it this way, to meditate upon God, to consider his unparalleled character, and to dwell upon his awesomeness and his glory is a never-ending, ever-new, daily available source of joy for us. Just the reality that I know God, and I just don't know Him, but I know of Him. I know what He's like. I've enjoyed His character, and I've enjoyed His awesomeness and His glory. I have experienced Him. I know God. Through His Word, we have become intimately familiar. And to think that in the moment that I need to engage joy in my life, 
Maybe a moment of despair or desperation. I, I need only to look upon God to reflect upon who he is. And may I tell you, when you and I do that, the searching heart is not disappointed. The one to whom joy seems ever escaping can find joy. He can engage joy in his own life and heart by looking unto our God. It's not that easy. My friend, it is that easy. When you know God, and I mean you know him, in the most dire situations, all you have to do is think about your God, and joy can erupt in your heart. Because he is the God of all joy, friend. We rejoice in him. Life may be falling apart, but all I have to do is think about my God, and it brings joy. Brings joy. Let me ask you, this week when life and circumstances threaten to bring despair and sorrow, did you enjoy, engage the joy that was at your fingertips by looking to God? By thanking on Him, reflecting on who He is, by basking in His literal greatness and glory? You know, what a shame that there are possibly times that we allow sorrow and despair and depression and the like encompass us when we could have engaged the joy that we alone as believers can enjoy at any moment. See, I don't know where your steps took you this week. I don't know where the will of God had you this week. I don't know if you were in a doctor's office receiving terrible news. I, I don't know if you were in a car wreck. I, I don't know if things you had one of those days where everything falls apart. But here's what I do know. Wherever you were, whatever you faced, at any moment, you could think about God. And it can bring you joy. May I put it this way? There's not one moment that you cannot think about your God and allow it to bring joy to your heart. Maybe this week was empty of joy. May I ask you, how many times did you think about God? Did you reflect on His character? One need only read a few Psalms. One need only read even of Jesus Christ and the Gospels. And I'll tell you, my friend, you will have enough ammunition to think about God. And as you think about your God, if you truly know him and you think about him in what we has described and presented to us in his word and what we have experienced of our God, my friend, it brings joy. It brings a happiness, an ability to rejoice in him. There's more as far as the source of joy and engaging it. You know, not only is it about finding the right person and rejoicing in the right person, but number two, uh, John chapter 16, verse 24 says this, Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. Your joy may be full. May I submit to you this morning that joy is found in our realized prayer. Joy is found in our realized prayer. It's a great promise from the lips of Jesus Christ, isn't it? It submits to you and I today that there is much joy to be had, listen to me, when our prayers are answered. When we understand that there's a God in heaven who is listening, he answers our prayer. Uh, in a long statement, in the simple reality of our smallest and greatest prayers being answered, there's joy to be found in the moment of realized prayer, fulfilled prayer, and in the recollection of past answers prayer that my God has been so very faithful to me. That's joy. 
Because every time I bow my head, you know who I'm praying to? Not a hope so God, but a God who says, listen, I'll answer. I'll hear you, and I will answer you. That ought to bring us joy, amen? That, that ought to, that's that constant source of joy in my life where I can remember, oh yeah, last week, last month, last year, God answered those prayers, and man, I am so thankful he did. And, and let's not be facetious here. We know that whether in his wise, wise and infinite knowledge of the past, his knowledge of the present, of the future, that sometimes he sees fit to answer yes, answers no, he, he answers wait. And in all of that, we know two things to be true. Here's the first thing we know to be true. Number one, he wants only the best for me. So this God that I'm praying to, and he has answered prayer in the past, and he says, I'm going to answer as you pray in my name. I know this to be true of my God. He wants only the best for me. And my friend, that produces joy. Produces joy. Now, some of you have lost sight of it. Some of you, yeah, yeah, you, you, you pay mental assent to that. You say, oh, yeah, I know that's true. But in reality, in your heart and life, you don't, you don't live like you believe that. God wants only the best for me. And here, it gets better. Here's the second thing we know about him. He will always do what's best for me. He knows what's best for me. Sometimes I am so messed up in my thinking. Sometimes what I pray is not what's best for me. But he knows what's best for me. You know what our God has promised to do? To always do the best for me. My friend, I'll tell you, there is great joy to be had. And knowing that when I bow my head in prayer to a God and I make requests and supplication of that God, that he knows what's best for me. He will always do what, he will always do what is best for me. And he is a God that will answer prayer. My, what a shame that sometimes we are found in despair and discouragement. And we don't employ joy and engage it like we ought. And yet it's right there at our fingertips. A prayer away. A memory of an answered prayer, a realized prayer away. See, these two truths make it possible for joy to be engaged when I pray. And I know that my God is going to answer me. How, how do I engage this joy? Why well, I do it by simple reflection upon prayers. Just remembering, my goodness, God answered this prayer for me. You know, <laughs> there, there's a good chance in a congregation this large that somebody this past week lost your keys. And that you prayed and asked God to help you find them. Or something else. Your wallet. A credit card. A child. Just kidding. Um, there's a good chance somebody lost something seeming so, so insignificant. But can I tell you, I have lost count how many times God has helped me find my keys. And that ought to bring us joy. That the God of all creation, that the God of heaven and earth cares enough for Stephen Henry's keys, as absent-minded as he is. And yours. And every little answer to prayer that you and I can look back on life. And my goodness, can we even talk about the big answers to prayer? Just in our church family, the people who have been healed miraculously. There's great joy, friend. Does our God know best? Yes, he does. Does our God always do what is best? Yes, he does. I mean, I can have joy any moment of any day when I reflect when I consider and I remember how good my God is. And I engage it 
through remembering, but I also engage it through prayer. Here's a great truth. My prayer of supplication and request will be a joyful prayer when I realize that my God is going to answer it in the best way possible for me. What a promise. So every prayer I pray can be a joyful prayer knowing, you know what? God's going to answer this the best way he sees fit. He knows what's best for me, for those involved, whatever the case may be. I can be excited and joyful in the worst circumstance in the midst of praying because this verse is true. I can engage that joy that is mine as a believer through my constant realized prayer. The right person, that's where joy is found. It's engaged by thinking upon God and meditating on who he is and reminding myself of the grand character of our great God. Number two, it is, it is found in realized prayer, reminding myself of how faithful my God has been and real, reminding myself that God knows what is best and he will always do what is best for me. And number three, may I submit to you that joy is found in the revealed precepts. In the revealed precepts. Turn with me, if you will, to Jeremiah chapter 5, or excuse me, chapter 15. We're, we're in Isaiah, so we'll just go to the right a little bit, and uh, we'll find Jeremiah chapter 15, if you will, with me. Jeremiah chapter number 15, look at verse number 16. Jeremiah 15, look at verse number 16. It's a famous statement. Many of you probably may have recognized, or at least will recognize it when we begin to read it. Jeremiah chapter 15, verse number 16. He says this, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. Don't start thinking about lunch, friends, okay? And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. See, if you and I will truly acknowledge that the Bible is God's Word, that it's a love letter from home and from our gracious Heavenly Father, then the power of God's Word will never be far from our thoughts. And part of that power is that it brings joy. See, in those moments when I am the weakest, those mar- moments when, when darkness and despair crowd in around me, threatening to suffocate me. Those moments when I feel overwhelmed and unable to go on. I can engage the joy of my salvation. How? Through the Word of God. Through the Word of God. His revealed precepts. I can meditate on it. I, I can study it. I can memorize it. I can read it. I can turn to its pages to allow the joy found therein to burst upon my life in circumstances like nothing else. Let's be honest. Some of us have been in the greatest valleys. We've been in the most difficult circumstances. And long after when we should have, we got in God's Word and we've, we exited our time with God's Word, our soul being uplifted, our spirit being ministered to by the very Word of God. As we headed into our time of reading and studying God's Word, our, our hearts were heavy, our spirits were low, our, our, our soul was, was hurting. We got into God's Word and literally... The joy that is found therein ministered to us. As we considered it, we meditated, we thought upon it. And here's a grand truth, and never forget it, my friend, because you and I are so very privileged. Boy, God's Word is so readily available, isn't it? I mean, many of us have multiple copies of the Scripture. You can forget a Bible one place, and you have plenty others to take their place for a moment temporarily 
Oh, in our modern age, boy, we have apps. We have phones that have the Bible on them. We have all kinds of things where we can just pick it up and read it right away. Man, what a joy that is. Sitting in your car, sitting at the Secretary of State for five hours. You can read the Bible. Anywhere you are, doctor's office, you're waiting. Well, you can read it. Even better, there's apps and other things that you can hear. Someone's reading the Word of God. The radio and CDs and everything else. Do you realize that probably like no other time in man's history do you and I have access to the Word of God? But why is it so many Christians lack so much joy? If it is true, like at no other time, you and I have access to the Word of God like uh, uh, no one else has ever experienced, then why are so many Christians today lacking joy in their daily living? Why are they living lives that appear joyless and are marked by discouragement and despair and depression? Now granted, there are those who, some who profess to be Christians who aren't, but the reality is that we have one of the easiest means for engaging joy in our daily lives all around us in God's Word. And we can unleash a tidal wave of joy in our lives when we most need it. But do we? But do we? If there's ever a day you wake up and you've gone through some difficult circumstances, you say, man, my joy is lacking today. I just, oh, I don't feel like rejoicing. It's very easily remedied. Number one, turn to the right person. Start thinking about your God. Number two, think about all the prayers that have been fulfilled. Think about what God, and that you can pray to him right now about this circumstance, and you know your God knows what's best for you, and he will always do what's best for you. And then number three, you can open up God's word, whether it be a copy, a Bible, you can open up an app, put on a CD, and you can listen to the word of God, which brings joy. What did he say? Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And they were the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Christians, so it ought to be for you and I. How blessed we are. How blessed we are and how clear it is that you and I are without excuse for not being people whose hearts are full of joy. We really have no excuse, do we? We like to say, well, circumstances are so bad, and this is so difficult, and you don't know what I'm going through, and, and you don't know. Oh, fantastic. I understand all that. But here's what I do know. I know what you and I have that produces joy, and it's at our fingertips. It's there, ready to be engaged. Are we? Are we? Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica. Oh, man, what a statement he makes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. He says this, For what is our hope or joy or our crown, the epitome of rejoicing? What is that? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Oh, it's a great statement. May I tell you this? Listen, joy is found in our resulting presence. In our resulting presence. Do you remember the last time that maybe you were supposed to go on a, on a big vacation? Maybe a cruise or you're supposed to go maybe out west or whatever the case may be. And it was a, a vacation you were looking forward to. And, or maybe it was a big special event and you were going to participate and have a hand in it. And you were looking forward to it. Do you remember how the, the week leading up as it got closer, boy, the excitement built, the joy. And, and uh, boy, you were just and with every day that passed, that joy just kind of got greater and bigger and the excitement 
excitement did too. And all we got to do is think of a little child, right? Looking forward to vacation. Maybe it's just Christmas vacation away from school, amen? Or summer vacation. And boy, as they get closer, that joy and that excitement just builds. Well, Paul here is speaking of this to the church of Thessalonica. He says, listen, my greatest joy, my crown of rejoicing is that you're going to be with Jesus Christ when he comes back. The next verse, verse 20, he says this, for ye are my glory and my joy. Don't miss that. Great truth. This was the resulting presence of their faith in Christ, their salvation, and it's part of, as David says, return unto me the joy of my salvation. What's part of the joy of our salvation? My friend, a great part of that is this. One day, you and I will be with Jesus Christ for all of eternity. That is joyful. And I can always go back to this. You know what? I may be going through this today, but someday I will be with Jesus Christ. Whether that's in the rapture and I'm carried away, or if I die and go on before others, the day is coming where Jesus Christ is going to return to earth, establish his earthly kingdom. He's going to bring the saints with him. We'll be with him. And Paul's saying, listen, nothing thrills my heart. (laughs) Nothing brings me joy. Then, hey, circumstances are strange. Life is life. Yes, it's difficult. It's hard. And, And for him, I might be in prison. I may be beaten. I may be persecuted. But you know what brings me joy? What is the crown of my rejoicing? It's knowing that there's others and myself will be in the presence of Jesus Christ. You know, the fact is this, my friend, I I am thrilled this morning that as I look out, majority of us, if not all of us, are going to be with Jesus Christ one day. I rejoice that Erica and my family are, I, I trusted Christ will be with Jesus Christ one day. I, I'm thankful that extended family much the same way. Boy, what a thrill and joy that is. And the reality is this. You may have had the worst day ever this week, but you could still have joy because you could be reminded that one day you'll be with Jesus Christ. That's joy. It makes a car broken down seem so small. It it, it makes a a, a bill that seemingly hard to pay so small. But boy, that is so temporal, and yet it is in the moment, and it feels so big. Discouragement, depression, and health issues, and cancer, and everything else. My, these just seem so big, such huge mountains, such reasons to despair and uh, to be discouraged. Oh, my friend, the day is coming where you and I will see our Savior face to face. And all will be erased. All that you and I go through now. You see, Paul, all he had to do was remind himself, wherever he was, in a prison, in in, in a shipwreck. You realize in one of the shipwrecks, if I'm not mistaken, I certainly could be, but I recall reading in one of the shipwrecks, he was in the water for several days and several nights. Now, number one, I don't like water. Number two, I don't want to be in a water where there may be animals, especially in the dark. Three days, three nights, you could get discouraged, couldn't you? Floating along, maybe hanging on to a piece of wood. May I submit to you that I dare say that Paul, as he would write, all i got to think about is one day I'll be with Jesus Christ. One day, all of those people I met at Thessalonica and Galatia and Ephesus and Colossae, one day they will be with Jesus Christ. Not only does it make all this worth it, but my friend, 
I can have a smile on my face. I can have joy in my heart in the middle of some sea when all seems lost. See, Paul was able to engage joy through that simple thought. Here's the greatest part, the reality, may I say, of this truth. It's this. Nothing can take away that I will be with Jesus Christ. And therefore, nothing can take away the joy I derive from that truth. But how so often we allow that to happen? See, it ought to be that we simply say this, take everything I have and I can still have the joy that comes from knowing I will be in His presence. Hurt me and it won't change what will eventually happen and occur. Imprison me and I'll someday still be with my Jesus. Kill me and you've only sped it up. Can't take it away. Once you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, may I assure you from the Word of God that you will see Him. Nothing on this earth will change that. And my friend, that ought to bring us great joy and ought to thrill our hearts. See, I can engage... Now, here's the truth, though. I can engage despair and depression just as easily when things in life get turned upside down. So don't miss this. Because here, here, here's real life. Real life circumstances can put sorrow and despair at my fingertips just as quickly as these things put joy at my fingertips. The only question remains is, which one am I going to engage today? See, here, are, here is God. Here is uh, that answered and fulfilled prayer. Here is the revealed precepts, the Word of God. And here is what we just talked about here, the fact that I know that I'm going to be with Jesus Christ. And all that puts joy at my fingertips. It's right there, ready to be engaged. But you and I both know there's circumstances in life. Job experienced, Peter experienced it, Paul experienced it. There's circumstances and things that happen in life that put despair and discouragement and depression right at my fingertips. It would be very easy to engage those things in my life. And that's really what it comes down to, isn't it, friend? That as believers, you and I get to choose. So what did you do this past week? When difficulties came, when tribulations reared their ugly head, when hard, challenging circumstances came into your life, when discouraging news came, Which did you engage? God has made joy readily available in these means and honestly, at least one other. Turn with me, if you will, to Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. It'll look at a couple passages next to the last passage. Philippians chapter number 4. If you look with me here, a great little statement, a great little verse. Paul writing to the church at Philippi. And boy, is it a great book about joy. Uh, the book of Philippians, but Philippians chapter number 4 and verse number 4. If you look with me there, I want you to see that joy is also found in the rightful position. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse number 4. Let's follow the reasoning here and what Paul presents to us. We'll see other places. He says this, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Now, we might think, you're saying, well, Pastor Henry, haven't we already talked about this? Joy is found in the Lord. He is the author and the source of it. Haven't we already talked about that? Well, yes, but the reality is this. 
Paul presents an altogether different source of joy. One that's easily neglected by any believer. Note with me here that Paul refers to this joy, this rejoicing as connected to a specific position of Jesus Christ. What we would call, don't miss it, his rightful position. Say, what is that? Well, Paul uses the Greek word kurios. And it's translated in our English as the word Lord. It means absolute and supreme authority. Okay, so he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Notice he doesn't just say Jesus Christ. He doesn't say God. He says, kurios. He says, this is a term capitalized and referencing Jesus Christ. Rejoice in Jesus Christ and Lord of Lords. We saw a passage in Sunday School Today where, where Paul wrote in 1 Timothy, he says, hey, he is the Lord of Lord, he is the King of Kings. So this is referring to supreme and absolute authority. Okay, for you who are getting hungry for lunch, you can think of this. What is a supreme pizza? It's got everything on it, and it is the top. Okay, you, you, you can't have more on it. There's not, it is the top. There's nothing else that something offers that's not on it. It's supreme. May I tell you, the reality is that Jesus Christ ought to be the supreme authority in your life. Rejoice in the Lord always. And implicit to that is this relationship to Him as our Lord. See, there's nothing with more. There's nothing better than it. There's nothing that has a control and authority in your life more so than Christ. We are to rejoice in Jesus Christ being the supreme authority in our lives, being the Lord of the life. So, so the question is this, is he? Is he? Because this is the truth that Paul's introducing us to. His lordship in my life is intended and designed by God to be a tremendous source of joy in my life. And here is a great principle. The more that he is in control of, the more I will experience joy. Now, don't miss that. Because we are good at piecemealing the Christian life. You say, what do you mean? I, this is what I mean. We give some areas of our life over to control to God, but we hang on to some. We give him absolute and supreme authority in some areas of our life, but not others. And the fact is this, God intended and God planned, the design did, so that you and I would understand that Jesus Christ is supposed to be the Lord of our lives. We are striving to give him everything. And therein is the key word, isn't it, that we often balk at. We mentioned it in our Roman study a few weeks ago. Uh, it is the word surrender. Excuse me, let me go back here. It is the word surrender. See, a Lord or master, the supreme authority, listen to me, is not to be bargained with. He does not get obedience and submission some of the time. He is not simply committed to, he is surrendered to. Absolutely and completely nothing held back. To our flesh and our carnal thinking, it is seemingly counterintuitive to think that joy can be gained through surrender. Turn with me to John chapter 13, as I've already showed you up above me. John chapter 13, we'll look at verse 37, verse I shared with our teenagers in chapel on, on Friday here at the school, but uh, great verse. Notice this statement, John chapter 13, verse 37. It's on page 640, if you have a pew Bible, page 640. Peter, Peter said unto him, verse 37, Lord, why can I not, excuse me, why cannot I follow thee? I will lay down my life for thy sake. 
So we, we understand, and, and Christ goes on and says, listen, hey, you're going to deny me three times. We get all that. That's coming up. But this is a great verse. Here is Peter, and what's he doing? What's he doing in the verse? He's declaring allegiance to Christ. He says, listen, uh, I, I am yours. You are mine. I am loyal to you as long as, the, as long as the day is. There's three crucial words that I think are found in this passage or in this verse, this statement that exposed what he, un, exposed what he understood, what it means to be fully surrendered to Christ. May I submit to you to first that he says this? He desires, he says, I'm going to follow you. He already demonstrated this, the very meaning of the term disciples, to be a follower. Peter desired to follow Christ and his teachings no matter where it led. Oh yes, he would falter at times and in the near future. But he was surrendering to following Christ and uh, no one else. Not even his own flesh, not even his desires, his own ambitions, his own dreams, his own feelings, his own emotions. He says, no, they won't control me. I'm not surrendering to those. I'm going to follow after Jesus Christ. So there's an element of surrender. I'm not going to follow anybody else or anything else. I'm going to follow after you. Number two, do you see what he says? He identifies Jesus Christ as Lord. You are curious. You are my absolute supreme authority in my life. Listen, what you say goes. You are my Lord. At least in the moment, Peter's expressing putting Jesus Christ in the rightful position. He desired Christ to be that supreme authority in his life. He was surrendering to Christ as his Lord and Master. Nothing held back. Absolute and complete surrender. And that's demonstrated in the last word, isn't it, of this passage. So follow. There's Lord. And then he comes to this. And we see he expresses his willingness to lay down his most valuable earthly possession for Christ. I'm going to lay down my life. You say, Pastor Henry, lay down is two words. You said three words. Well, lay down is one word in the Greek, so I win, okay? Lay down. So follow, Lord, and I'm going to lay down, and in this case, his most valuable earthly possession, I'll lay down my life. I'm going to lay down my life for you, Christ. I'm going to surrender it completely. What? For your sake, he says. It's a powerful statement. You appreciate Peter because Peter realized, listen, I cannot have joy in life. I can't even go on with life without surrendering to you. I don't have you, and I don't have who you are in my life. I don't have anything. You are my Lord and Master. You are my everything. Oh, yes, there were times where he faltered. But that was what he declared. And as he said, I'll lay it down, I'll surrender it. In simple terms, making Jesus Christ Lord of his life. See, interesting, Peter did go on to do that. Oh, yes, he, he, did, he did die for Christ, but here's what's important. Don't miss it. He had, Christ did, a much different idea in mind for how Peter would lay down his life. See, it wasn't time, don't miss it, it wasn't time for Peter to die. Peter's going to die. In fact, the history tradition says he was crucified upside down, and we don't know 100% sure, but he, he was eventually going to lay down his life for Christ. But Jesus Christ says, listen, that's great, fantastic, but here's, here's what I want you to surrender. I want you to surrender every day to me as your Lord. You lay down your life every day. You surrender it to this life. I'm going to putting it this way. Okay, uh, we would say that in laying down his life, Christ wanted an everyday surrendering to the will of his Lord. And may I tell you, 
Peter found great joy. As you read First and Second Peter that Peter writes at the end of his life, you realize, man, Peter found joy. Peter found happiness. Peter found fulfillment in life. How? Because he made Jesus Christ the Lord of his life. And it wasn't that one day he's going to be crucified, he'll die for Jesus. No, every day he laid down his life. I love what Paul wrote, right? Goes along the same idea. He says this, I die daily. I'm laying it down. I'm just laying it down. May I tell you today, you say, oh yeah, Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. You know what that means? You lay down, you surrender your life every day to him. The will of the master. The will of the Lord. And I will tell you this. You will have, when you do that, you will have joy unspeakable. When Jesus Christ is truly the Lord of your life, we're all striving for it, and it's a constant ebb and flow, and it's those ups and downs. Peter demonstrated that. But boy, if you have a heart to make him the Lord of your life and submit to his will, I think really if you say, Pastor Henry, what two words sum up the Christian life? Here's what it is. I really believe it. The, the longer I live, the more I study God's word. It's two words, the Christian life. I surrender. I surrender. I was in salvation. I had to surrender any hope for eternity in and of myself. I had to trust in Jesus Christ alone. But I'll tell you what the Christian life is. I surrender. You are my Lord. Your will is what I'll do. Every day I lay down my life. Do we falter? Oh, yeah. I falter. Not nearly as faithful as I wish I were in doing that. And I would, though, quickly add to this reality. There's nothing that compares with the joy that is found in doing it. Is it not true that some of us have, we've kind of wrestled, we've struggled with handing over a part of our life to Jesus Christ? Making Him Lord in a specific area, maybe our thought life or whatever, finances or whatever. And boy, we've struggled with that. And yet, the moment came where we said, okay, God, take it. I surrender. It's yours. Take it. Isn't it amazing that we've experienced in our lives a joy unspeakable when we actually hand it over to Him? And what have we already found out? It's in good hands. He knows what's best for me. And He always does what's best for me. You know, I've heard Christians say this, man, I wish I would have given that over to him a long time ago. He's a joy. <laughs> wow, unspeakable joy. I don't have to have control. Let the Lord have control. I'll give it to him. Here's how you find joy in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord, the absolute authority, supreme authority in my life, always. See, here's how you face beatings, how you face death, imprisonment like Paul, and you write an entire book, Philippians, on the theme of joy. Written from a jail cell, from prison. Paul, how do you have joy? Well, listen, Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. I've surrendered. I'm his. And what a delight it is to finish the statement, I am his. And he is mine. Begs this question. Okay, if, if that is true, how do I engage this joy? 
Hey, Pastor Henry, I want that joy. And boy, if it takes me making Jesus Christ the Lord of my life, that's what I want. How did I do that? Well, the obvious answer is very basic. It's that surrender daily to the orders of your Lord. Lay down your life. Okay, it's yours. I surrender it. I die daily. What does that look like? Well, you know it. It's in the Scriptures all over the place. There's much to it. We know His orders well. May I just remind you of a few. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Study to show thyself approved unto God, rightly dividing His Word. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Don't be transformed, or excuse me, conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it might minister grace unto the hearers. Love your enemies. Do good unto them that persecute you. Redeem the time. Walk circumspectly. Set your affections on things above, not on things here below. Whether therefore ye eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. And my friend, that's just to name a few of the orders of your Lord found within His Word. So just focus on doing the will of the Master. Following the order of our Lord. And may I submit to you that in doing so, there is joy to be had. For the joy of our salvation is thus engaged in a greater way in our lives. You will hear me say it often, don't miss it. Fact is this, you and I have been saved for heaven, true. But God's plan doesn't stop with you just being in heaven. He wants to bring you into conformity of the image of Jesus Christ. He hath before ordained that you and I should walk in good works. That is his goal and his plan. And my friend, as we fulfill that and we make Jesus Christ the Lord of our life, my, my, there is joy to be had. I know we're running late on time, but listen, here's a great product of it. Nehemiah chapter 18, verse 10. You know it well. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do you realize that? So all these things where joy is found, it's at my fingertips, and if I engage that, you know what that joy becomes? It becomes strength. What I would put before you is this. It it makes life doable. It, It allows us to overcome and enjoy life through the strength that is found in the joy of our Lord that is given to us in these manifold ways. And I I would say we could add a lot more. You realize there is joy found in witnessing? Either go forth and labor and bring it back to the sheaves with rejoicing? There's rejoicing. You you realize too, and I love to hit on that, there's joy to be found in serving. That's throughout the Scriptures. Jesus Christ implemented that truth. So we could say there's a lot more of these places to find joy, to engage joy. I get it. But let's finish with this truth. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Pastor Henry, I can't go through it anymore. This has just been a terrible month, and this has been a terrible year. I get it, and they are tough, and they can overcome us. And unless we have the joy of the Lord, you may get, you may get chewed up and spit out by life. But my friend, you are a believer, a child of God, and God has put joy at your fingertips, and all you need to do is engage it. And my friend, when you engage the joy of the Lord, it is your strength. It is your strength. So what's your joy like this morning, believer? 
Is it unspeakable? Man, I, I, I don't know how I'm going through life. I, it seems like everything's falling apart, but man, I have perfect peace. God is doing things, and boy, I, I, I'm happy. I'm joyful. This is fantastic. Or is it unengaged? My friend, joy is found and it is gauged in the right person. Realize prayer. Revealed precepts, His Word. The resulting presence that one day will be in His presence. And the rightful position is Jesus Christ of Lord of our lives. Can I ask you this? You ever have a vehicle and boy, it's older, uh, like many of us do drive ones like that? And you ever all of a sudden, it's like, man, it just doesn't have the pickup and go like it used to. It's just, man, it seems like maybe the, it, it's sputtering even, or boy, or it's knocking. That's the worst sound ever, amen. And, and you think, man, I just don't, and you take it to the mechanic and say, yeah, yeah, listen, you, 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 you've only got, you know, you, it's a six-cylinder, oh, boy, only three cylinders or four cylinders, whatever's possible. It's only hitting on three or four cylinders. And so, yeah, you're not going to have good gas mileage. You're not going to have much get up and go. Uh, it, it's going to feel like it's sluggish and slower because you're not hitting on all cylinders. We've got to get that fixed. We've got to get the, uh, it, it running on all six cylinders, eight cylinders, four cylinders, whatever the case may be. We've got to get it fixed. May I ask you this morning when it comes to joy, how many cylinders are you hitting on? Are you thinking about your God gaining joy from it? Do you often reflect on answered prayer and, and remind yourself that God only knows what, He alone knows what's best for me and He only wants the best for me? Have you put Him in His rightful position? May I submit to you, I fear that often through life, we as Christians aren't healing on all cylinders. We're missing this joy because we don't do that. We don't reflect. We don't look. It's right there at our fingertips, but we don't engage it. How is it for you this morning, believer? Is your joy unspeakable or is it unengaged? Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the challenge that this has been to my own heart and Lord, I trust to these, my brothers and sisters. I want to praise you first and foremost that you are the God of all joy. That as your children, you have afforded us a joy like no other. Thank you for that. Father, forgive us for where we have failed to engage it, to enjoy that joy. Forgive us where we've faced life and circumstances. We've allowed despair and, and discouragement and, and, and Lord, depression even to be engaged instead of your joy. Lord, I pray this morning your Holy Spirit would have reminded each of us of what we have. Lord, we may have come in here hitting on one cylinder, three cylinders, four cylinders. Father, may we leave hitting on all cylinders. May every day this week, May we find the joy in every one of these ways and many others, and may we engage it in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would work in our hearts in this invitation as only you can. Certainly there are Christians here who need to confess their lack of joy. Not engaging it. Not putting it into practice as you have given us. Lord, others, we, we simply need to commit and surrender to you. We need to surrender to you as our Lord and realize there is great joy to be had from doing so. And yea, Father, there's others who just simply need to be more consistent in our joy. 
Help us to make these decisions. Help us to allow your Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us in the application now of your truth. May this invitation be sweet. Maybe a time of conversing and fellowshipping with you in prayer. Maybe a time of life-impacting decisions. And Father, may we be a joyful people that you have created us to be. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I ask you to join me.